When you put your body on the line, don't hesitate and fear. We know the train, it is coming, it is near. And it's going. Hi, I'm Patricia. Welcome to the 30th episode of A Breath of Song. I'm so glad you chose to do this today, which is extra special because Lissa Schneckenberger is joining us for a songwriter conversation. Hi, Lissa, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Lissa has said, music has this magical way of communicating emotion almost instantly and allows human beings to synchronize with each other on many levels. We are here to find wellness and synchronicity one song at a time. Trust me, your voice is just perfect for this. I'm coming to you straight from my home in Vermont, in Thetford, Vermont. And Lissa, tell us where you're calling from. I'm in Brattleboro, Vermont. So south of you, in the very southeastern corner of Vermont. Beautiful. And both of us on the unceded land of the Abenaki people. All of our voices will turn up as they are today. And no matter what, we can feel the connection to our breath and vibration in our body. Let's find how good it can feel to sing. So last week, I shared Lissa's song, Hope Lingers On. Today, Lissa will be teaching us another beautiful song of hers called Labor On. We'll sing it several times so it can settle inside you and you can begin to trust it as a resource. Let it move you into a state of flow. Then we get to enjoy a conversation with Lissa and we'll close out with the song again at the end after you've had a chance to forget it. You'll always be able to find this episode on the website, abreathofsong.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, and listen as many times as you'd like. So let's start with a good yawn stretch. Oh, Maybe roll your shoulders a bit. Release your back. Start to become aware of your breath as it moves in and out of your body. Notice how it expands and releases. Let it soften your face and your tongue, your neck. Maybe make some scrunchy sounds. And some stretchy sounds. And let your voice slide around, sliding up and down. Let your lips be fat as you do this. Yeah, Lisa, I'll turn it over to you to share the song. Okay, so um, we're going to learn a song I wrote called Labor On. And this is a verse chorus form. So there's two verses and a bridge. And those ones are a little bit harder to remember all the lyrics for. So I'm going to start out by just doing the chorus twice through so that you can really get a sense for the easiest place to join in and then as you get to hear the song longer and more times through then you can uh, join in on the whole thing so the chorus is labor on my children labor on my friend labor on my children we will not let this be the end and it sounds like this Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. So I'll do it phrase by phrase, just the chorus so far. First phrase, labor on, my children, and together. Labor on, my children. Second phrase. Labor on, my friend. Go ahead. Labor on, my friend. And then the first phrase happens again. Labor on, my children. Together. Labor on, my children. And the last phrase. 
We will not let this be the end. Together. We will not let this be the end. So from the beginning, now we'll put all those four phrases together. Labor on, my children, from this note. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. Again. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. So that's the chorus, that's the easiest join any bit. And I'm going to start from the very beginning now of the song with the first verse and you'll get to join in on the chorus each time through and then also just sing along with anything else that you like. Harmonize, hum, uh, come up with fun chord progression lines underneath, whatever you feel like, counter melodies, just make your own adventure. <laughs> This is editing Patricia inserting myself here just to say that you will hear the original track of me singing along with Lissa as she was teaching it. You'll hear me experimenting with harmonies as I sing along, some of which work great and some of which are not quite as successful, but I hope you'll be experimenting too. And if you want to hear a polished, finished version of Labor On, you can always go to the YouTube link and sing along with Lissa and her friends. So here's from the very beginning of the song, Labor On. When the darkness overtakes you and you shiver in the cold, when disparity wakes you and you know you must be bold, when you put your body on the line, don't hesitate and fear. We know the train, it is coming, it is near. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. When they dig the earth and turn it into dollars to be made, you can't help but try to save her. For her sake, don't be afraid. While the fire, it rages onward, burning everything it sees. And destruction consumes our decency. Labor on, my children. Labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children. We will not let this be the end. When the powerful corrupt us and complacency sets in, they'll distract you, they'll placate you, but we cannot let them win. With each step we take together, we are stronger by the hour. And we are rising, we are shining, we have the power. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. And that's the end of the song, <laughs> but hopefully not the end of you singing it. Mm. That's so beautiful. This is just so beautiful. I just want to stop and take a second to say that because it really is. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and it's very satisfying to sing as I was singing with you. It was I very, hope so. Yeah. It felt good. 
Can you tell us a little bit about what, where it came from, why you wrote it? And maybe then we'll go back and sing a little bit more before we get into the official interview. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, gosh, you know, I feel like all my songs these days are really kind of multi-layered bits of inspiration from all kinds of things, like whatever I'm, what I'm, what I'm reading, people I'm talking to, other music I'm listening to, what's in the news, and um, all of those layers definitely exist in the inspiration for this song. But the real first seed came from some friends of mine who were participating in some nonviolent protests at the Bow, New Hampshire coal-fired mm. uh, mm -hmm. generating uh, facility. It's actually the last coal-fired power plant in New England without an official shutdown date. And I have some friends that are part of a, a group called No Coal, No Gas, and they did a, a pretty extensive series of protests pre-pandemic to try to draw awareness to the fact that we still are burning coal in New England and that there, there's got to be a solution. There's got to be a different solution that's helpful for everyone. I was just so inspired by their actions. These are peaceful protests, but certainly um, putting their body literally on the line. And in this case, they were putting their body on the train tracks and uh, stopping coal deliveries to this power plant. The images and the stories about those protests really inspired this song. And then also the accompanying video that I put together for the song. There's, you know, in this day and age, every song has a music video. Right. <laughs> so I, I got permission to include some of the photos from this series of protests, specifically in New Hampshire and surrounding areas. So if you go find the song on YouTube, you'll see some of the some of the images that were inspiration for me writing the song. And then, of course, there's a greater global context, uh, which um, I was very aware of when I was yeah. writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so we will definitely include a link to the YouTube video in the show notes so that people can find that and, and can see how, how we use music to respond to what's actually happening. Music isn't a, a historical thing, something that all comes from the past. It's something that's connected mm -hmm. with where we are now and what we're feeling, where we're headed. I think that's really important. It's an important part of this podcast, using music to access yeah. where we are right this moment. Yeah, <laughs> and there's so many layers of that, too. Like, for me, there is an element of me personally. Where was I at? Like, I was processing the information. Writing music is my one of my ways of processing my, my feelings and my thoughts and my, um, my, <laughs> my everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that was a personal piece, but then also processing the moment, processing the events, processing this group of, you know, sort of thinking about this group of friends and, and then where we're headed culturally and, and in a larger sense also. A way that I understand the world, but then there was a sort of a, a postlude <laughs> to it as well, which is that, this particular group of protesters continued to get together and meet, and they ended up actually singing the song at a couple of their later gatherings, oh. which was, uh, it just made me feel so much more connected. It, it was a way of me feeling, wanting to feel connected to the movement and also then becoming more connected to the mm. movement in a way that I hadn't been able to before, um, which obviously, it meant a lot to me personally, of course. How about if we sing it again and people can take all that information in and find their way into the song maybe in a different way now with all of that background? Yeah. Let's just do it the whole Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Shall we? I mean, are you up for that? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I hope that now as people hear it again, they maybe will feel more able and, and less inhibited to just join in on the whole thing. Even if you don't know every single word, um, you can you can do whatever do whatever you feel like adds to the song. The lyrics will be in the show notes as well, so if people can scroll down quickly enough, they can catch lyrics too. Very helpful. <laughs> it's helpful for me. I always forget things. <laughs> okay, so here we are um, from the beginning of the song, first verse. When the darkness overtakes you, I'm going to start on um, when the darkness. There, at that note. When the, I'm sorry, I just went a little higher. So from this note, when, 
When the darkness overtakes you and you shiver in the cold. When despair wakes you and you know you must be bold. When you put your body on the line, don't hesitate and fear. We know the train, it is coming, it is near. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend. Labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. When they dig the earth and turn it into dollars to be made, you can't help but try to save her. For her sake, don't be afraid. While the fire, it rages onward, burning everything it sees. And destruction consumes our decency. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend, labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. When the powerful corrupt us and complacency sets in, they'll distract you, they'll placate you, but we cannot let them win. With each step we take together, we are stronger by the hour, and we are rising, we are shining, we have the So labor on, my children, labor on, my friend, labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end, labor on, my children, labor on, my friend, labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. Hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that song, and thank you for being willing to share it with us. Yeah, well, thank you for letting me share it. I, I wish I could hear everyone's voices <laughs> all at once. Yeah, yeah. So I'm... I should... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just reminding myself I just of a silly thing. I just signed up for TikTok, which I know absolutely nothing about. It's a complete... Um, it's, it's way above and beyond me, and um, I feel kind of too old for it. However, the one thing I've been intrigued by is that there's all these ways on TikTok that people can do duets with, with each other and do covers of songs mm -hmm. and like sing along and do collaborations and stuff. And so mm -hmm. I'm very excited about that. And if anyone out there wants to do a collaboration with me on TikTok, find me. <laughs> Wendy Luella Perkins is a songwriter. We sang a song of hers in the middle of December, a couple of weeks before this episode. And she is also on TikTok, and she issued the same invitation. So there may be oh, experienced good. podcast listeners here who already Ooh. know what they're doing, and they'll come join you. Well, and maybe they'll also send me an email and, and tell me, like, this is how you work TikTok. This is how it works. Because <laughs> so far, I, was, I, was, I, I just haven't been able to quite find my people, so to speak. Mm. You know, there's, there's mm. a lot out there. <laughs> but I hope to. I think I, I still have hope that I will be able to. Well, I'm curious. A lot of people carry experiences around their voices that make them feel it's not okay for them to sing, not okay for mm. them to post on TikTok or to join you on TikTok. Mm. I wonder I wonder what what your response is to that or if you've run into that. I yeah, I, I get these kinds of comments all the time at almost every single workshop I do. Somebody, if not many, many people will come up and say, I was told to keep my mouth shut during choir or chorus or you know, I had to sit in the back of the violin section. There's a lot of um, insecurity around our creative voices, and I just want everybody to stop it. <laughs> just, you know, just be yourself and join in, because that's, from a performer's standpoint, from a teacher, 
the my greatest joy is when everyone feels comfortable enough and feels free enough to participate to join in and to be there to be present in the musical moment that is a really magical feeling of togetherness and I want every I would I would love for everyone to have that feeling and those feelings are a little harder to come by in the pandemic style of of living mm-hmm. And therefore, it's even more, it's more important than ever that we have these, these um, experiences of togetherness. I'd say creativity is sort of my favorite mode of communication. Music is my favorite communication style, much farther in front of even, you know, writing or speaking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so whenever I find someone else who wants to communicate in that way, on any level, no matter what their ability level, it means a lot to me. And it just... Sometimes it helps people to know that it actually boosts me up for them to participate. It has nothing, I, you know, no, no, I am never judging anyone based on their manner of participation. But just to say, like, if, if you're there and you're joining in, it's going to make me feel good, too, so that I can go home at the end of the day and feel like, ah, oh, yes, we, we did something together. Wonderful. I'm wondering, you are one of the first one of my guests who is conservatory trained, a conservatory graduate, a professional musician with the capital P, capital M. (laughs) Can you tell us how you chose that path? I mean, you just said music speaks, music is your chosen creative expression. What made you decide to use a conservatory training as the way you would pursue that? I guess I... I, I felt that there was no other choice. I, I guess I, I knew for sure I wanted to make music my life, and I wanted to deepen my experience and my understanding of music. I wanted to add technical proficiency so that I could communicate better. And music school was like the most obvious choice, although I also considered doing a, a series of internships and, and traveling to certain spots that would enrich my music you know my musical experience Mm -hmm. but then in the end I I was lucky enough to get a scholarship to New England Conservatory so I was able to pursue the real you know the official music school route Mm -hmm. and I I am really grateful that I had that opportunity it it made a huge uh, it you know I I think college is like this for for everyone it it had a huge impact on my life and my music Mm -hmm. it's it's something that still affects me to this day. And a huge, it also had not just an effect on my music and my creative expression, but also an effect on my teaching style. And did you go as a fiddle player, as a singer, as a combination, as? I went as a fiddle player and at New England Conservatory, they specifically request that you choose one instrument. Uh, And so I was interested in, in the voice, but I was really encouraged to focus on one thing and so and, and I, I absolutely see the benefit of that and so I actually started studying voice after I graduated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what are the similarities and differences between the fiddle as a singing instrument and your own voice in your body as a singing instrument? Boy well I have to admit that the differences come to mind. Uh-huh more easily. <laughs> um, the similarities, there certainly are many similarities. I mean, ra- my range is one example. My range is very similar to the range of the violin. I mean, my violin notes go up a little higher than my voice and my voice go- notes go down a little bit lower than the violin, but generally it's around the same range. And lots of people have made comparisons to the similarity in timbre and tone between a violin and a, and a woman's voice. Um, but the differences for me are I think because I had more, I guess, uh, official training on the violin or on the fiddle, that instrument feels a lot less mysterious. And because it's physically in front of me, I can see a lot of things or even feel tactile, feel a lot of things that make a difference in how I play. Whereas the voice is you know, your vocal cords are hidden inside Uh your neck. (laughs) And there is so much, so much of the opera, you know, of how you sing that involves your body Mm -hmm. in ways that you can't see, the way your lungs are working and the way 
the cause and effect is a little less obvious, right? Where if you bounce your bow on the strings, you immediately hear a bounce. Whereas if you slouch while you're singing, it might not be quite as obvious that it's going to affect the tone or your breath capacity. It does, but of course you have to kind of learn that in a more subtle way. And so I feel like learning the voice has been much more challenging for me because of that. And also, as, as vocal teachers, we're always trying to figure out how to explain shaping inside your mouth and your mm-hmm. tongue and and your vocal cords, how to keep pressure off your vocal cords when they're not visible, or how to mm-hmm. create twang, how to shape things that are, are not seen. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I found it really exciting when I finally kind of got into um, managing different Mm -hmm. registers vocally, um, talking about chest voice and head voice and mixed voice and how to manipulate those to different, you know, for different effect. And um, that was a much more complicated thing for me to grasp in my own brain. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's it's different for everybody, but that was much more complicated than um, producing tone on the violin, which is difficult, but but simple in Mm. concept (laughs) right 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 you can see and understand what what how it happens more easily right right conceptually you're like okay there are these horse hairs with little barbs on them and they're going to vibrate a string and that's going to create a sound wave whereas you know all of the different aspects of tone in in your body in your your singing voice are you know, still more mysterious to me than anything else. And there are more moving parts. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't reshape your fiddle to bend a note. You, can't, <laughs> you don't squeeze the fiddle and, and reshape the box. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, for that reason, I find voice to be the most challenging thing I've, I've ever done. I'm, I'm going to keep working on it until I die. So sticking with the fiddle for a second, for many years, you have been one of the most respected fiddle players in the New England dance circuit. Um, I heard about you when we lived in West Virginia before we ever moved to New England, actually, as a, as a fiddle player. Oh, wow. Because we knew David <laughs> Kainer. And, um, and so it's been a hard mm-hmm. year for the New England traditional music community. We've lost David Kainer and Larry Gordon as well this year. And during a time yeah. when it's difficult to gather and mourn together, it makes me think about how music is such a powerful force through time. Some of the tunes that we play are 200, 800 more years old, right? Some of the songs we sing are, are ancient. Mm-hmm. We don't know where their roots are. But it's also shaped and influenced by the individuals who are alive at any given moment. And I'm wondering hmm. if you think of yourself in continuity with other music makers across time. I think I used to more... For a long time, I I was very interested and aware of um, older musical traditions, and specifically sort of in the Northeast, New England dancing and singing and fiddling traditions, and those were really inspiring for me. So hearing older players, either on recording or, or even in, in person, and finding old sheet music and poring over old books and manuscripts was really inspiring and and seriously um, informed the music that I was making at the time. And then over over the last few years, I've I think I've I've really shifted, um, not really on purpose, but just my life has shifted to sort of thinking about that idea in a broader sense as not just a music maker but a change maker Mm. and I I read um oh gosh at one point I was doing some advocacy work for a foster adoptive association in Vermont and we were feeling like we were banging our heads against the wall and and not feeling very satisfied with the effect that we were having Uh (laughs) it felt like it felt like we were working really really hard and nothing was was going anywhere we weren't getting the results we wanted and and I actually ended up reading something that that made me feel a lot better about how change is um, cumulative and it's not a linear trajectory mm-hmm. it's it's more um, uh, holistic <laughs> and, and so like there were a few things that I that really struck me that um, 
you know, someone that we might think of as extremely influential now, a historic figure, may have not been appreciated in their in their own mm-hmm. lifetime, for example. And so sometimes you might even, as a change maker or a creator, you might do something or make something that might have very little impact in an immediate responsive sense, but it could still be part of the greater stream that moves to the river, that moves to the ocean, that that might shift something later on or in a new way or in a different way than you expected. And and that is sort of the the way that I am thinking about music these days. Mm. <laughs> Not that it's going to have a, a an immediate satisfying reverberation or impact necessarily, but that maybe it will just make one person feel better and then that one person could make somebody else feel better and then it, it will be a little bit more um, holistic and slower and community-oriented. So in December, you ran a raffle on your website for people to win a wonderful, beautiful weekend in Brattleboro. (laughs) I just think to myself, that's a direct way that you just made two people, however many people get to win that prize. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's going to reverberate in some way. Their December will have been a much better December. (laughs) <laughs> just got to I say hope so <laughs> <laughs> I really really hope so yeah and it it's something that I had to I had to come around to this mode of thinking because I I um I spent a long time feeling really disappointed about some of my advocacy efforts and feeling you know if you read the news ever it it's very easy to feel despondent <laughs> yeah <laughs> about a lot yeah. of things and um on I'll, I'll local and and national and global levels there's lots of difficult difficulty in in many many areas and so i was really needing to feel um i I was i keep reminding myself needing to remind myself that it's not just about right now and an immediate cause and effect Mm -hmm. there are other kinds of of cause and effect that are bigger than any of us can even comprehend yes (laughs) and it's it's and, and in a way it's like we're working like bacteria, we need to work in groups. <laughs> we, yeah. we don't, one one individual is not going to shift everything, and sh- and doesn't need to mm-hmm. shift everything. That's not the way that we're made. But it's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard. Yeah. So, but thinking of individual things that do have an impact in 2019, you released a solo album called Thunder in My Arms a direct exploration of attachment, parenting, and trauma, especially in the context of foster parenting and adoption, which you've just been talking a little bit about. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful journey of an album. I listened to the whole album. It doesn't minimize the pain of healing from trauma, but it's very comforting and stable as well. I was really struck by how you hit the balance of acknowledging and being present to trauma and the pain of trauma. And we're able to create a sense of a safe container for that trauma to be being experienced in. There was a song particularly that touched me, The 11th Labor of Hercules, Mm -hmm. which talks directly about just holding someone as they change into a whale, a shark, a lion, a viper, a ram. And it reminded me so much of what my therapist did for me when I was going through trauma healing. And that that mm. sense of being held while you went through all the terrifying changes and experiences. Right. So speaking just for myself as an individual, that was a healing album to listen to. That was a beautiful album to listen to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I got to say, what you've just said has just made me feel this. that was really... Thank you for those kind words. <laughs> I just um, means a lot to me to hear that feedback, and um, that is what I was hoping for. I was hoping that that would have, um, you know, that that would be the case for people, for listeners. So I'm glad that you felt that way. Thank you. I did, and I'm wondering if you could talk. I mean, one of the reasons that I started this podcast, a Breath of Song podcast, is finding songs where that let the words lodge inside your head. I realize that I have, you know, 
theme songs for Coca-Cola and Nationwide <laughs> is on your side. And I have all kinds of song words in my head. Oh. I was like, I could improve the quality of the song words that are in my head, you know, so that it's no longer Copacabana. I, there are other songs that could be in my head. And it's that's so funny. One of the things. You've just triggered a number of uh, commercials that are now flitting through my head. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so... I was wondering, though, because you are so fluent with fiddle music, with instrumental music as well, when you were thinking about creating an album that would be this kind of safe container, could you talk about why you chose songs with words rather than an instrumental album? Yeah. Um, I think... I really feel like an instrumental album has gigantic, tremendous capacity for healing also, and I, I find instrumental music to be that way for me, personally. I just, it's such a solace and a joy. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I was sort of deconstructing in my mind, I was, I was disassembling or deconstructing a lot of the tr trauma trainings that I had been participating in um, and books that I had been reading and mm. therapy sessions that I had been going to, which all involve a lot of words. <laughs> and right. so I, I was feeling like there are resources out there for folks who are healing from trauma or helping someone heal from trauma. And, and I was specifically interested in learning so that I could help my child so developmentally there were lots of pieces as well and there's there's just so many resources out there however as a parent I'm well aware that there are not always um, it's not always easy to participate in these things you, you don't always have time or money or whatever resources or babysitters to be able to go to a weekend training or even an evening workshop or to read a whole book before you mm -hmm. <laughs> fall asleep at night. You know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of times when you're in the midst of something that is really difficult that you just need to, you know, you just, you don't have the capacity to invest in learning in such a deep way. And so I, as a musician, I was thinking, well, what else is out there? Um, what's, what are the, what's the music that I can access? What do, as I, you know, if I can only get through half a page of a particular book before I conk out for the night, um, what maybe there's a song I could listen to or when I wake up. Or your brain shuts down. Yeah, totally. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So I discovered that there really isn't. I couldn't find any music that was specific to what I was looking for, and but I, you know, I was still going participating in all these learning experiences, and I started to simmer it down into song form. And that involved a lot of contemplating how to, how to express these very complicated concepts and how to talk about something like, for example, um, you know, modern research and brain development <laughs> in mm -hmm. a way that was accessible and understandable and most importantly triggered empathy and, and understanding. So... Mm. Um, and so that's sort of a long-winded explanation of why I decided on lyrics. I decided on lyrics because I was working with, essentially, lots and lots of words. But I wanted the lyrics to amplify the emotional content and, and ultimately that empathy that we all need for ourselves and for each other in order to heal from trauma. What's extraordinary, given the way you just described it, is that the album does not come across as... Um, as a textbook. <laughs> yeah. Well, that <laughs> was a gamble. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. You don't feel tired after listening to the song. You know, it's, it's not fatiguing to your brain. At least it wasn't to mine in the same way that reading text descriptions mm -hmm. and, and manuals about how to, how to do this. Well, that's good. Can be fatiguing. I, that is absolutely heartening to hear because that <laughs> that was a total gamble. It could have could have gone any direction, <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know, the part of it was like you know, I am, I mean, partly it's I'm I'm an experienced musician and I've had lots of songwriting experience, but then also I think because I knew I was aware of that danger, and I was also especially um, aware of how much I personally dislike music that sort of tells you what to do or what to think. Preachy music, oh yeah. Uh, or yep. even not just music, but anything, you know, any kind right. of a preachy, you know, conversation or article is going to turn me off to a certain extent. So I was aware of that, um, 
that I wanted to avoid that. And I ended up generating a lot of content before recording. So I generate, I mean, I wrote many, many, I'm, I don't know, 20, 30 songs at least, just that mm-hmm. eventually kind of got whittled down and whittled down and whittled down and I would edit things and then try this and try that. And then eventually I had 10 songs. And mm-hmm. um, those were sort of like the cream of the crop. And I had a lot of help from outside sources. So I got feedback from my husband and my child, um, which was essential. But I also worked with a group of therapists who are trauma-informed and who typically work with a lot of adoptive and foster families. It's a group here in Brattleboro called the Children and Parents Project. And they were super generous with their time and they would have, they have a weekly group meeting as a team and they invited me to come multiple times to air out song ideas and I would share lyrics with them. They would give me comments on what their thoughts were as, you know, as people who knew a lot more people than I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> as therapists, they've worked with, uh-huh. you know, over decades, worked with many, 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 many families. And so they gave me feedback on song ideas. Um, for example, the 11th Labor of Hercules was a therapist's idea, uh-huh. which I loved immediately because they were saying like, wow, isn't it interesting that this this Greek mythology has this element that can be related to, say, someone who's recovering from addiction. And, and then I mm-hmm. said, oh, and there's also a child ballad that's very similar. Like, how cool is that? We can weave some of the folky elements and then the storytelling elements into this understandable metaphor. Um, so having that feedback mm-hmm. and sort of community development part really helped simmer it all down also. Yeah. So... You said in an interview in 2013, you said, when you do what you love for a living, it is counterintuitive to take a step back from your work occasionally to stay healthy and recharge, and yet it's so necessary. Hmm. Is that still true for you, and how do you do it? Well, um, it is not something that comes naturally to me. I am always working on it. I am still working on it. And I have helpers. <laughs> my family helps me. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, sometimes my child helps me by just having an emergency of their own that I absolutely must stop. And you know what I mean? Like there are times in life when you absolutely have to stop and drop everything. And mm-hmm. um, and parenting comes with a lot of those times. <laughs> <laughs> and that has really helped me. And so, and so I think trying to think ahead and circumvent those emergency type situations has forced me to be much more proactive with my mental and physical and emotional health and has forced me to take breaks. And I really thank my family for that because whether they know it or not, they have been (laughs) instrumental. (laughs) It doesn't come naturally. I'm very much an American in terms of like the dogged work ethic and I come from a long line of workaholics. My family works for fun. Yeah. <laughs> when yep. we get together to do something for fun, we often end up working together, you know. Doing a project <laughs> of some sort. Yeah. yeah. What do you enjoy doing that does release you aside from music? Hmm. Well, right, because of course, work does help with that also. I do find work to be a, sometimes a bit of a release also, but yeah. um, but that's not what you're asking. <laughs> yeah. I think the main thing is being outside. I love mm. to be outside, and it is a really nice counterbalance to being a musician because a lot of music is made indoors. <laughs> I'm practicing, you know, especially in New England in the winter, Obviously, Mm -hmm. I practice indoors, I record in a studio, I write music in my office, I play piano indoors. You know, there's a lot of things that I do inside. Even just driving to gigs, I play, if I'm on tour and I'm playing concerts, the concerts are mostly inside, although the pandemic has helped with that a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I'm driving or flying or traveling in some way or another inside, inside a bubble of some sort. So when I'm not working, I have to be outside. And I try to do that in as many ways as possible. I love to garden. I love to bike. I love to hike. I love to do things out in the community. I love to eat outside. (laughs) You found a way to integrate all of those things together with environmental consciousness, with consciousness that some of the ways in which we're living are not sustainable for Mm. our planet. 
mm-hmm. and you did something that I had never heard of before, before COVID happened. Do you <laughs> want to talk about the way that you, your take on touring and how that went? Yeah, I think you're, are you referring to our bike tour? <laughs> I am referring to your bike tour. <laughs> because it's I was a- like, really? That's a lot of gear to haul. That's a, that's a lot of stuff to coordinate yeah. and manage. But it's true that touring is tourism and touring as a gigging musician is uh, resource heavy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations with musician friends over the years about that, because I think that weighs heavy on a lot of people's minds, especially musicians. And so um, I definitely was not the first to come up with this idea. Peter Mulvey, I believe, has done a large number of bike tours. He's a great singer-songwriter, and you should look him up if you don't, okay. if, if folks don't know about him already. Yeah, I have a lot of ideas, and every once in a while I can convince my family to do one of them. <laughs> and the bike tour was 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 one of them. <laughs> and is, was it an idea that they're going to now go jump on your next idea, or was it an idea that's going to slow down the acceptance of the next idea? Well, I wonder. You know, so I feel like I learned a lot. So what we did, we did a very, by musician standards, this was a small and conservative tour. We we did, I think, four or five shows, and they were all within biking distance, obviously. So they were all within 60 miles of each other. Whereas typically, the normal standard for a musician is to, to book a tour that's several weeks long, and you do, say, two to four hours of driving distance between shows. And that way, you're not competing with yourself in terms of your audience. So this was a little bit of an experiment, and and we discovered that it actually worked for the audiences. We didn't feel like there was a a lack of audience, even though our shows were closer together geographically. The benefits were, it was just a fun thing to talk about with people. It was really fun to just roll up to our venue and unload the bikes and like have people ask us about how we were traveling and look at our gear and check out how we packed the instruments. And my husband and I were the musicians and we brought our son with us as well. And he was helping to sell CDs. So he got a lot of fielded a lot of questions also Uh (laughs) and it was that part was cool like I loved the communication part and I loved how excited people got and inspired people got by just seeing what the possibilities were Uh that was the the real joy I think for me the the downsides were I discovered that there were some expected surprises like when you're biking on a road with a lot of car traffic and you're trying to communicate between several cyclists um, you have to yell a lot or raise your voice and it turns out that's not very good when you want to sing at the end of the day (laughs) right and then the other thing that I had never expected was that when you're on a bike for many hours a day you hold on to the handlebars obviously and that at the end of a long day that actually wore my hands out to a point where it was interesting to transition and get back into fiddle playing again. So those parts, I think, would be interesting to... I think there probably are ways to figure out how to get around that. I haven't yet because here we are in a pandemic, so we're just not booking tons of gigs. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, But, you know, I have lots of... I'd love to do a train tour someday. I have a a Mm. good idea for using our Vermonter line. You know, I'd love to, like, take the line north up to the top of the state and then do gigs, do shows all the way down. Nice. Um, But the main thing that I took away from our bike tour was that I will... I will probably never, well, I will very rarely drive for vacation ever again mm-hmm. because the the negative aspects where like, you know, my hands were worn out and my voice was worn out would not have mattered one bit if there wasn't a show at the end. Right. right. <laughs> so if we were just going at our own pace, uh, at our leisure to go to some fun vacation destination, then it would have been 100% perfect in every possible way. So since then, my son and I actually have done a number of little mini vacation bike tours, which have been the highlights of my my year. We've done this now two years in a row. We've done a a couple of one night and then two nights and three night trips. And um, every time it's it's the highlight of both of our whole year. (laughs) That is fabulous, yay. Yeah. It's really, and it's really deepened my relationship with, with my son and we just have such a great time out on the road and 
talking together and we get excited about our destinations and about the the views and the the literal ups and downs all the hills and the valleys <laughs> uh-huh and finding those things i think that's part of part of being in relationship with someone which a parent child relationship is is a critical one right mm-hmm. part of being in relationship with someone is finding ways to be together that you both enjoy mm-hmm. and that give you a storehouse of experience together of stories and things that you've overcome together things mm-hmm. hills that you've crested absolutely yeah well and and actually that's kind of how I got back into biking it was at my son's lead he was just so interested and excited about biking from a very early age that mm. um, I just have been tagging along <laughs> it makes him happy and so I'll just do it I'll do anything <laughs> it's great <laughs> I think it's probably time to go on to the lightning round questions. But before we do, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wished I'd asked you? Oh, boy. Well, um, this has been a fun conversation, so thank you for having it. Um, I would love to tell people that if there are musicians out there, singers or instrumentalists, I have an ongoing challenge that I'm doing with my mailing list where I am sending out a totally free tune to learn every Friday and also doing a group practice challenge. So um, we're about halfway through a 100-day practice challenge right now. However, people can just join in at any time and um, they can do that from my website and sign up for my mailing list and then they'll receive all these little free goodies. (laughs) So first time through is maybe a 43-day challenge and then (laughs) then the next time you get to sign up for the full 100 days. Exactly, yeah. And it's sort of, it's meant to like motivate and inspire and I just think group things are fun and Uh, you know, kind of going into a long winter with this pandemic that never seems to end. I just wanted there to be some way to, to sort of feel together, Mm -hmm. uh, feel to, to Mm -hmm. feel community with, with other people. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so I'd love to share that as a resource for everyone if they're interested. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. So lightning round questions. Okay. Quick question, quick answer. What's an album that was really important to you? Ooh, The Road North, Scottish fiddle album by Alistair Fraser and Paul Maclis from the 80s. I have it on LP. <laughs> and you can still play it. I you can. You have the turntable, too. Yeah, okay. Can, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite soup? Oh, I like, um, oh, shoot, lightning rounds are hard for my brain. Uh, it's called, um, um, oh, it's called, it's the borscht recipe from the Moosewood cookbook. Um, oh, yeah, that's that a good one. Somebody served it to me on tour a few years ago, and it just really like hit all of the childhood feel-good vibes. <laughs> mm. It's nourishing, it's comforting. Mm. What is your favorite replacement curse word? Shirt. Shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shirt. It happens all the time on text because my phone doesn't know any curse words. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just be typing away and then someone on the receiving end will be like huh Huh? shirt she's a shirt yes what is a sound that you feel strongly about well the violin Mm. um i have a lot of feelings a lot of connection a lot of feelings a lot of thoughts (laughs) lots of thoughts about the violin sound Mm. do you like to listen to other people play um, I'm going to say 30% of the time I do. Mm. Mm. So when you think about violin sound, are you thinking about the way it sounds right on you, on your shoulder next to you? Mm. I think about all of the ways, but that is my most, uh, what's the word? I'd say the, the way it is next to my ear when it's my own instrument, my own sound production, I, I think cerebrally the least that's a much more physical mm-hmm. understanding. My brain doesn't automatically think with words anyway, so um, the words come later <laughs> uh-huh. when I'm trying to explain myself to another human. Yeah, but I do a lot of exploring and developing and understanding my sound in that sort of physical sense, auditory sense. Nice. nice. Who is an artist you wish more people listened to? Oh, man, um, I discovered this musician named Kafari with a K, K-A-F-A-R-I, 
who's a piano player and a bones player percussionist out of Portland, Maine, and has released an album this year that is just exquisite and comforting. It's very soothing, and I feel like it would be right up this particular audience's alley because it's just so soothing. It, I just, it's, it's like, a, it's like a bath. <laughs> All right. We will definitely f- put the link to that in the show notes for sure. Great. Yeah, Kafari, he's on, uh, they're on uh, Bandcamp. Okay, yeah. great. And before we close, where can we find you and follow your projects or buy your music? Yeah, go to lissafiddle.com, L-I-S-S-A-F-I-D-D-L-E, lissafiddle. Yeah, lissafiddle.com. And then I'm also lissafiddle on all of the different social media platforms if you want to find me on TikTok or Instagram. I mean, Instagram is sort of my first love, but I'm on all the other ones also. So lissafiddle at any any old place will we'll do the trick a huge thank you to you Lissa for coming on a breath of song yeah and a huge thank you to you our listeners I'm so glad you're singing with us let me remind you that your review on Apple podcasts helps people we don't even know yet find the show and you sharing with your friends really matters Visit abreathofsong.com to see show notes with lyrics and all of this other information. Sign up to get Patty Piotrowski's glorious art and a heads up about new episodes in your inbox. Suggest a song or a songwriter for the podcast. Leave something in the tip jar to help cover costs. Before I get paid, 25% is donated to the Jazz Foundation of America to support jazz roots and blues musicians in need. Hmm. So let's sing Labor On again to help our brains remember it. And of course, you can download the episode and listen as many times as you'd like. Yeah, well, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been really fun to talk to you. It's been delightful. Someday we'll get to sing together in the same room. (laughs) That would be beautiful. Um, Okay, I don't know where my key was earlier, but let's say, um, should we go from the beginning? Is that what what we should do? Yep, from the beginning and pick a new key. Okay, so... hmm. The right key for now. Mm -hmm. How about this note for the beginning? (laughs) When the darkness overtakes you and you shiver in the cold, when disparity wakes you and you know you must be bold, when you put your body on the line, don't hesitate and fear. We know the train, it is coming, it is Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend, labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. When they dig the earth and turn it into dollars to be made, you can't help but try to save her for sake, don't be afraid. While the fire rages onward, burning everything it sees, and destruction consumes our decency. Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend, labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. When the powerful corrupt us and complacency sets in, they'll distract you, they'll placate you, but we cannot let them win. With each step we take together, we are stronger by the hour, and we are rising, we are shining, we have the Labor on, my children, labor on, my friend, labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end, labor on, my children, labor on, my friend, labor on, my children, we will not let this be the end. Yeah. <laughs>
Wow, the whole section about uh, laying your body on the line mm. meant something different to me this time. It Sometimes it takes a while for stories to sink in for me to really understand them and connect them. Yeah, yeah, me too, especially because lyrics are not my forte sometimes I'm just finding the content in the melody (laughs) yeah yeah so that was that was really powerful thank you thank you for joining Lissa and me today for a breath of song I'm grateful that you're taking this time to take care of yourself and to listen to your voice I believe making a better world starts with tuning into ourselves and each other which is what we just did so yay us And if you're liking this podcast, please share with a friend. Next time we'll plant another song. Be well. Yay. You get to turn off now. Stop recording. Okie dokie.